0: Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start Your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au
1: You could say as dental students we're pretty used to long appointments We at University of Sydney spent three hours with our first appointments And to be honest most of my dentistry was done in three hour appointments But maintaining focus through a dedicated appointment with three hours worth of challenging work to do for an anxious patient can be really hard to keep your focus. But it's also something that can really help both your patients by doing a lot efficiently in one appointment, but also yourself in doing higher production per hour. There are a lot of benefits to doing long appointments, but it is not easy. And Dr. Michael Fraser in this podcast talks about how to maintain your focus for a long appointment and what specific things you need to be thinking about and focusing on, and also what you shouldn't be focusing on. It's not as easy as just going at it, doing a long appointment, and not thinking about the challenges and the mental strain and fatigue that you'll be under. So there's no doubt this is an important topic to think about, and hopefully these tips help you out. Now just as an aside, Prime Practice used to sponsor the podcast. They're friends of the podcast, and they're doing a great job. We always used to talk about communication and Prime Speak, and I want to share that Virtual Prime Speak, their online three-day event, which is live and interactive, is 45% off at the moment on CPD Junkie. If you go to cpdjunkie.com.au, search Virtual Prime Speak or go to the Junkie Deals page, you'll find this huge discount which is only available until about mid-December. Go to cpdjunkie.com.au right now and get a huge discount on Virtual Prime Speak and other courses. We're pushing for this to be the one place where you can find all of Dental CPD and some huge industry discounts. I hope this is making your CPD life easier. All right. So, let's hear from Dr. Michael Frasers, telling us about his most recent case, where it took the time and focus to get the outcome he's looking for. There's
0: a case that I, I, I put up. Uh, it's actually probably the most recent one that I put up. So, that was a case I spent about four hours on these three teeth. I mean, early on in my career, four hours to do these three teeth would have been just near impossible. I could have spent the whole day on it and it just would not have worked um, and it's basically because I was just fluffing around or doing different stuff and I didn't know what I was doing or how to do each procedure and all that. But once I kind of had a few years of maturity and sort of experience, I could cut it down to four hours. And you say, well, four hours, it's heaps of time. You can spend, you know, four <laughs> hours, you can, do, you can do a whole mouth in four hours. But these three teeth, it was all three of them had endo. One of them needed the endo to be redone Two of them needed the post to be removed and replaced. They needed a new cores. They needed new temps. We needed to do an aesthetic mock-up on it because the patient sort of lives uh, about, you know, th- three hours away. So there's no point getting the lab involved. So it's just easier just to do everything on that same day. So suddenly mm-hmm. that four hours kind of gets broken up into these couple of little you know, segmented slots like we were talking about, you know, before we started recording, you just sort of break your time up into these little chunks and then you go, okay, I've got an hour and a half to do this, you know, mock-up and then I've got half an hour to dismantle everything and then I've got half an hour to put it back together again and then i got <laughs> an hour to do the, the temporaries and then you sort of break it up and you're like, actually, that doesn't feel like a lot of time to do all these steps, and that's in addition to, you know, interruptions, nurses coming in to try and get, you know, the instrument that you borrowed from the previous patient or the nurse coming in to tell you that, oh, you know, your patient tomorrow has canceled. Do you have anyone to bring into that slot? And all this different stuff. So it's really easy to to lose your focus and then sort of slip out of that sort of time frame. So I find that in those really long appointments or even in really short appointments, one, just having... A breakdown of your time and going, okay, I've got half an hour. I'm gonna do this in this amount of time, this in this amount of time. And then you can sort of go, okay, that little part is done. I ignore it, I move on. So the first thing you do is obviously you numb everyone up and then you make them as numb as is humanly possible. And then you just go, okay, that chapter is done. We move that aside. While you're waiting for them to numb up, you take your temporaries, you do your digital scan, you get an x ray or do other stuff that you need to do. So you're not sort of wasting time. You're talking to the patient about their day and all that kind of stuff. And then you just sort of move on to the next thing. You just dismantle everything and then, you know, moving on from there. If someone's coming in and going, oh, you know, hey, you know, Michael, what do you want to do about this patient tomorrow? I go, you know what? Leave a sticky note. I'll deal with it once I'm done with this patient. I'm not moving my focus away obviously in an emergency situation then i just sort of go you know what hands down i'm not going to do two things at once i excuse myself and then go deal with it it's only happened Mm. very rarely there was a patient that just couldn't get out of the chair he was just a very elderly gentleman and he was one of my patients so i had to stop what i was doing move get them out of the chair come back but i use that time where I was waiting for the patient to get numb so it wasn't impacting on everything else. I said, you know what? I'm going to numb the patient up. I'll be with you in five minutes and then I'll do it then. So I'm not getting distracted at a time where I need to remain focused um, on things. so having those sort of sections where you're just working on one task, one task only, and then you put that task aside and then you move on just allows you to keep focus on doing as good a job as you can and if someone comes in to interrupt that focus the phone rings someone walks in the door you stop what you're doing and then you go no i'm not going to deal with this right now you'd leave a note so you leave a message you come back later or something like that and then you go back and do your your task if you're trying to sort of you know, inject someone or do a crown prep mid talking to someone else. Your focus is going between two things and that's when you ding the other tooth or, you know, you cut into a tongue and you do all these other things and you get frustrated and then the appointment turns into this unexpected mess and then it goes from a, you know, half hour appointment to a three hour appointment just because <laughs> you turned around and said hi to the nurse that uh, walked in. So,
1: exactly. losing focus can cost you a lot. It can
0: and it's mainly a time thing. And frustration and a mental game, I mean in no other industry like in in airplanes they have they're so strict they're pilots they just have a list they go like, i'm doing this, i'm doing this, i'm doing this, i'm doing this mm. people know not to interrupt the pilot when they're doing that checklist. There's two people checking that list. It's not like they go in and get the order for what the pilot's gonna eat for lunch while they're doing the takeoff checklist because that's a really important time. So, they know not to interrupt.
1: Yeah, you are mentioning ex- there's lots of really important things I've just wrote down in some notes. I think one thing you're really touching on there is that we are actually not very good at multitasking. Single tasking no. is what we should be doing. And we should be focusing on that thing and don't let interruptions happen. Um, we're talking to a lot of, you know, students, new, new dentists, many people who don't actually run the practice, I guess. Mm. Um, and you mentioned, you know, sometimes you actually need to tell your staff, you know, I really need to focus here. I don't want to be interrupted. Is that something, you know, you recommend kind of setting those boundaries early on in your career, um, making sure that's a clear thing with your staff?
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: i think the way
0: that i've always approached it is i'm always going to be you know friendly to the staff there you know sometimes we'll we'll go out for you know meals or do different things as a, a collective group so it's not like you know i'm taking the receptionist out for you know a coffee or something like that it's all structured within within the practice you know and at lunchtime we're a big group i mean there's about 25 of us so we all spend a lot of time together so we're a big family but I do, and all of the dentists in the group are, are the same, there's five of us, we make sure that it's very well set the boundaries so they know as soon as we're in the chair with a patient, it's not, oh, hey, Michael, it's, hey, Dr. Phrases. this is what I, I need and that I give those directions. So it's not something that they do just for me. It's a culture within the whole practice. And I think that helps if you're going from, you know, reading a book and driving at the same time, there's a very big switching cost because it's really (laughs) huge focus shift from reading a book and driving at the same time, same with being on your phone. But, I mean, if you're scrolling on your phone and Netflix at the same time, yeah, you're not really going to understand what's happening in the movie and you're just not really reading that article on on Facebook, but it's not that big a deal if you're kind Mm -hmm. of missing a bit of information here and there. In dentistry, it's more like the driving a car while trying (laughs) to read a book. There's a lot of information that we process at the same time, and it's not all just visual. There's audio cues. There's the way that the burr feels in our hand. There's that, you know, sleight of hand that you see the patient's hand just sort of clench a little bit, and you're like, that's Mm. a cue that they're in pain. I need to do something. So, if you're talking to someone else, at the same time and just turning your head or watching the tv you're not really going to pick up on those subtle little cues that may not mean anything to you but may make a huge difference to the patient goes actually he realized i was in pain even though i thought i could soldier on so yeah they make a huge difference
1: really a good point clear aligners have revolutionized the way we can provide aesthetic and orthodontic results to our patients Many of us want to get into this field and provide these options for our patients but are not sure where to start. That's where Aorta, Aesthetic Orthodontic and Restorative Training Academy comes in. Their online course, Aorta Essentials, is made to give you the foundations to take the first step. They also provide a number of live courses around Australia to help build on those foundations. With an unbiased approach, Aorta will show you the pros and cons of all the Alana systems. Get started at aortaustralia.com.au. Thank you IOTA for supporting dental students and graduates and thank you for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. think something you said before, which is, you know, you're planning these appointments, you're segmenting the jobs you have to do within the appointment, but your first step was to make them really numb. Yes. To make sure that you're not having an interruption by having a patient uncomfortable. And obviously, that is always our goal. We want our patients to be comfortable. Um, Do you want to just touch on that again and then maybe talk a little bit about how you plan your appointments in general and what you recommend?
0: Yeah. So, with obviously numbing them up, There's obviously a maximum amount of anesthetic that we can give and there's a minimum amount of anesthetic that we can give. I tend to go, it depends on what I'm doing, but I tend to go just that little bit higher up than the minimum amount. Obviously, the maximum you tend not to get to when you're
1: doing a single (laughs) filling. Um, (laughs) You're doing a DO and you give them five five artacane cart pools. You've probably gone a little bit too far. (laughs) But
0: um, like with uh, a single upper... No, molar doing a DO, like you were saying. I think I'll use one carpule of articaine, I'll put ninety percent of it on the buckle, and then the last sort of ten percent will be on the palatal. I use rubber dam, so I just make sure that the the clamp isn't interfering with the palatal tissues and even if it is, they're numb, so it doesn't matter. And the next the other part of the question was how do I segment things? We know how to break down an appointment, you obviously have to numb them up first and then you prep and then you do this and then you do that. It's fairly textbook. It's pretty crude, but what I do is at the beginning of the appointment, I'll get a sticky note and I'll write down my different steps that I need to do. And it's it's things like numb the patient, take photos, you know, check this, like check the occlusion or do this, do that. And then I'll just put the sticky note right up on the screen. And then anytime I'm stuck, I'll go, Oh, yeah, I was supposed to take a a mock-up impression. Yeah, let's quickly take that mock-up impression (laughs) because sometimes in the the heat of the moment, especially with these bigger cases, you get really excited and then you're like, I really want to prep. I really want to see what's underneath this. And then you're like, I forgot to do that mock-up impression and that's where you get unstuck. It's those little details or like, I really wish I took a before photo because I really (laughs) like my after. So, just having it written down, if there's something that you really want or need, yeah, right on sticky note.
1: Experience does teach you that and usually it yes. teaches you that the hard way, especially yes. if you plan to buy a copy of an anterior tooth with seric, and you forget that hurts. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've, we've all done that. We've all been there. Do you suggest we uh, put some times associated with those steps and then try to follow those times in a longer appointment?
0: Yeah. So, I do put some time aside. It tends to be a bit arbitrary these days. Um and by arbitrary, I mean, I just sort of pick a random time out of my head. I kind of know how long I roughly take for things so and how long I want to spend for certain bits. So you have obviously a really simple occlusal filling, let's say, and there are a time drug. I wonder how long it takes me to do this from injection to patient walking out the door. And you just sort of put a stopwatch on, you know, you can just Google timer or stopwatch and then just press start. Do the procedure and don't do it as fast as possible. Just do your normal procedure with just as minimal fluff as you can. And then you kind of realise, oh, it doesn't actually take that long to do this. Why have I blocked off all this time for it? And obviously when you're first starting off, you you know block an hour for an occlusal filling because, you know, it takes a long time to get your head around things. But then after a while you kind of realize, yeah, I can do it in like, you know, thirty minutes. I can probably do an occlusal filling in about 10, 20 minutes, but I don't book 10, 20 minutes because that's a little bit ridiculous to be running up and down the corridor trying to get the patient in just (laughs) so you can save time. So, there is a little bit of, you know, leeway with things like that.
1: It's a really good point if you're measuring your own times um – there's, there's a law, I'm sure there's a name for it, where um, the job or the project will expand to the time that's given to it. That's oh, yeah. why you do really good work the night before your assignments are due because you don't mm-hmm. have much time. Um, and it's the same kind of thing, I think, with dentistry. You shouldn't shorten your times unnecessarily, but it is interesting to know that because you booked 40 minutes for an occlusal, it took 40 minutes. <laughs> it shouldn't oh, yeah. 20.
0: I can take um, two hours for an occlusal. If you <laughs> want me to take two hours for an occlusal. <laughs> I will take two hours for an occlusal. I can do it in 10 minutes and I can do it in two hours. The same occlusal filling, I will fill that whole time. It's amazing how (laughs) much tint you can do in a two-hour appointment, how much microanatomy you can add to those fissures.
1: I think there's a lot of good content here about maintaining focus during those long appointments and really it's about planning, segmenting your time and knowing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Fraverses, for sharing that with us. Thanks for having me.